0: All right, good evening. We have made it to the end of our study here tonight uh, through uh, Ephesians, uh, the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be in the last section of chapter 6, starting in verses 10 through 24. But uh, hopefully this uh, study over the past uh, three months has been um, encouraging to you. Uh, I really like the, the opportunity to go through, you know, verse by verse, and just uh, see what what's written there and dissect it and talk about those things. And so, I know it's been a, a really good study for me, and so hopefully it has been for you as well. And so, obviously, since this is the the, the last class um, uh, next week, of course, is VBS, and so I'll be. Uh, there, there'll be, if you don't know this already, there'll be adult classes uh, each night, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and I'll be teaching those in there, so we'll still have uh, class Wednesday night, uh, but we, we'll be done with Ephesians by then. And so we'll be looking at the first uh, uh, chapter, or first class, uh, on Wednesday night, which I believe it's in 2 Samuel 9, so that kind of gives you a heads up of where we'll be, if you want to uh, study that beforehand with uh, David and Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel 9, uh, but that's where we'll be next week. And then the week after that, uh, I will be uh, starting a new class uh, for the young adults of the congregation. I think we'll be meeting in room 8 there. And so uh, I'm not exactly sure who's going to be teaching uh, the auditorium class, uh, but uh, there will be somebody here uh, to teach that. And, uh, um, so j- just to give you a heads up for the next couple of weeks... Uh, But again, we're in Ephesians chapter 6 tonight, starting in verse 10 through 24. And so, uh, how can the Christian life be described? You know, we've seen this uh, sort of over and over again through this this book. We've seen uh, Paul use metaphors to convey uh, Christians and the church in different ways. Remember, all the way back in chapter 1, he made... The analogy that the, the church is like a body, right? and so all the members of the congregation make up the body of the church, and then in chapters two, we, we got the analogy or the metaphor that, that the church is like a building. Uh, remember, and then that it needed to be on that foundation, which was Jesus Christ, and be built upon that. and then in chapter three, he gave us you know that it was to be as a family. The the church is to be like a family, and we've also noticed from that point on that uh, that the Christian life is somewhat like a journey. Again, uh, we read over and over again how Paul says, you know, you need to walk this way, Uh, walk in this type of manner that pleases God, Um, and don't walk like the Gentiles. Right, walk the walk that you've been called to walk, and don't walk like the Gentiles. Don't walk how you previously walked in this, in this life. And he, in chapter 5, he told us our walk should be characterized by love and purity and wisdom. Remember, keep your head on a swivel, he said in chapter 5. Look circumspectly as you're walking. You know, Keep, keep your eyes out for things that might trip you up. But as we get to chapter 6, probably the greatest metaphor... Uh, in Ephesians that we can uh, study that we re- are reminded about every time we study Ephesians is uh, that of a soldier right? preparing for battle. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 starting in verse 10 uh, that where Paul's exhorting the Ephesian Christians in, in verse 10 he's going to tell them to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and then he's going to tell them in verse 11 they, they need to put on the full armor of God. Uh, They need to put on the full armor of God. Why? Because the the devil is a schemer. He he has these uh, schemes that he is trying to pull. And so we need to put on the full armor of God to protect ourselves spiritually. And, of course, the concept of of warfare within Scripture, it's not new to us. It's not unusual. You know, throughout the Old Testament, we, we read of... Uh, different wars that the Israelite people go through, the battles. You know, we know of great warriors like King David and Joshua. Uh, you know, we we enjoy reading their accounts and, and the battles that they go into. And but even so, you know, you think of the knowledge that they have in warfare, the experience they have in warfare. Uh, it teaches us that victory in battle does not come easily. And sometimes in Scripture we see that, that the weaker armies uh, defeat the stronger. Right? Sometimes the, the shepherd uh, defeats the giant, slays the giant. And um, the, the, we connect to what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 9, verse 11. Listen to what he, he wrote here. He said, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches uh, to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. all right, so the great wisdom of Solomon says um, you know, just because you know, one thing looks the way it should, it doesn't always turn out that way. And again, we can see in Scripture that you know, David defeated a Goliath. You know, on paper, that should have never happened, but because God was behind David, um, David slew Goliath. But nevertheless, the unprepared do not normally win the battle, right? Uh, um, you know, I can remember uh, in high school uh, when I was playing on the basketball team and, you know, maybe um, my first time on varsity, and I remember as we got near to the tournament, the playoffs, that there were. Uh, There would be these men that would come in to, you know, maybe one of our games closer to the end of the season, and they would have, you know, those big giant cameras that they used to have, uh, video recorders back then, you know, 20 20 years ago. Um, uh, Those big, you know, cameras that they put the VHS tapes in there, and they'd be taping the games. And, you know, come to find out they weren't, you know, they weren't there to root, you know, my school. They weren't there to root the opponent's school, but they were there because they were scouting for you know, the tournament upcoming. You know, they didn't have allegiance to any of the teams there, but they were getting ready for the tournament down the road. And, um, and that's you know, exactly uh, the sort of thing that we understand uh, in Scripture is that um, you know, we have to prepare for battle. Right? Just as uh, those teams were scouting uh, basketball, uh, basketball teams that they were eventually going to play, uh, you know we need also, as Christians, to know uh, the enemy and be able to uh, protect ourselves against him. Uh, Jesus made the point when encouraging his followers uh, to count the cost of discipleship in, in Luke chapter 14. You remember what he said there? He said, or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Right, if we're going to battle and um, we only have 10,000 and 20,000 is coming against us, uh, you know it makes sense that we're going to sit down and make sure that this is a battle that we want to get into. Um, and if we wish to withstand the assaults of the devil, we must arm ourselves with the tools God places at our disposal. And so in chapter 6, verse 13, he's going to tell us again, therefore take up the whole armor of God. He's going to say this a couple of times. And what we want to understand tonight in this lesson is that armor is available to all. Those who wish to resist the devil must not fail to arm themselves. And we can't just pick and choose uh, which we want to use, but we need to arm ourselves with the full armor of God. So let's, let's see what uh, the first few verses say uh, about the enemy here in verses 10 through 12. So Paul here writes, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. All right, so Paul is letting us know about our opponent, uh, the enemy. Uh, it's important to know the enemy. You know, it, again, it's hard to withstand uh, if we don't know who it is or where it's coming from. And so th- that's probably why you know the. Uh, Throughout Scripture, we have a lot of uh, different uh, verses that describe who uh, this is, who Satan is. First um, Peter chapter five, verse eight nine. Peter wrote, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith." Right? He's described as this roaring lion seeking someone to devour. James said uh, in James four verse seven, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you right? uh, we you know we have this admonition that we need to resist him, and if we do that, he will flee from us in second Corinthians chapter two, verse eleven Paul said, uh, "Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices All right so uh, we're going to learn uh, in here in Ephesians chapter six that um, he is a schemer. Right? He, he schemes. Uh, he has the, the wiles of the devil. Uh, we're told in some translations. Again, mine says uh, the schemes of the devil. Uh, he is, you know, constantly scheming. And so, again, we need to, as Paul is going to tell us here in a little bit later, and describe each one of these uh, pieces of armor. You know, why we must protect ourselves. Well, what about Satan? What about uh, the devil. Not that we're going to take the time to, you know, go through all of the verses in Scripture, but you know, we can know from you know what what we read in Scripture that you know he he is not deity. Right? He, he's not all knowing. He's not all powerful. He's not everywhere, and therefore uh, he must be a, a created being, um, a created being who chose to do evil. Right? Just like you and I have free moral agency, uh, we have the you know the ability to make our own choices. Uh, he must have done that as well. Uh, but the the point is, he is real. Right? He's not a figment of our imagination. He, he's not a fable that's in the Bible to, you know, um, to frighten us. Uh, but he is real, and he's seeking to devour um, individuals. You know that that's his mission. Right? To bring as many with him. Uh, to hell as possible, and throughout the Bible we see different descriptions of him. It says that he lies; he's you know he's a liar. He he accuses. Uh, he he schemes. Uh, they're not just schemes, but they're cunning schemes. Uh, he transforms into an angel of light. Right, that's one of those verses uh, in Second Corinthians that you know it, it's tough to read, right? Because it says that he transforms himself into. An angel of light right? we can 't just look and know oh you know there there 's a Satan right but, but he looks uh, he can look just like um, you know one of us, and also uh, he tempts he 's the tempter right? actually uh, this Sunday morning, I plan to be preaching. A Lesson in Matthew chapter 4 uh, the, the, when, when Christ goes into the wilderness and he's tempted by the devil, that's where you know the Bible calls him the tempter, he, he tempts. And so, you know, although we, we may never understand, um, you know, his tactics, uh, or you know, we shouldn't underestimate them, uh, but also we should not necessarily overestimate them. You know, a lot of times when a uh, you know, you might be watching like a, a TV show or something, you know, and somebody's, uh, you know, they depict somebody's conscience, you know, and maybe like on one side uh, they, they show, you know, somebody with a halo, maybe that's representing God. And then on another side of a shoulder, they'll have like Satan, you know, and when they do that, they're kind of depicting that the two of them are on equal level with each other, you know, that one's all good and one's all bad, and, and you have to make the choice between: Am I going to choose this one or choose this one? But that, that's really, uh, you know, a bad analogy when when we see that, because you know, again, that's putting them on the same level playing field. But of course, you know, we know through Scripture that uh, God's going to eventually win, right? Satan's going to be crushed, as it was prophesied all the way back in, in Genesis chapter three, verse fifteen, and so. Um, and so, you know, Paul here says, uh, again in verse 10, he says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Uh, the focus is not merely upon uh, gaining strength from God, but uh, it's the strength that God allows us to have to overcome uh, Satan. Again in verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The saints are charged to let themselves be strong. Uh, in, in, I guess, uh, again, in verse 10, when it says, be strong in the Lord, that, that, that word strong there in uh, the original Greek language, it's, it's a passive term, meaning, um, you know I'm not doing the action, but the action's being performed on me. Right? So I'm not the one that's being strong, but I'm being strong based on uh, what God is able to uh, supply me with. Be strong in the Lord based, based on his power. Um, and they have not the sufficient, again, we don't have the sufficient strength uh, to do that. We need to rely on the strength of Christ. And again, he says, put on the whole armor, put on the full armor. And that indicates that we must be completely prepared for Satan's Offense. Now, remember, Paul is in prison when he's writing uh, Ephesians. And so, you know, it's quite uh, possible uh, that, you know, when he's writing this, you know, he's seeing a Roman guard in front of him, or, you know, Roman uh, guards are coming by him at all times. And so he's, he's, uh, you know, he's probably looking at, you know, this soldier as he's writing these things. And again, that's going to be part of his description of uh, these uh, pieces of armor that he's going to give to us here in the next section. But uh, we notice again uh, that put on this full armor of God, right? Don't just put on uh, a couple of pieces, but put put it all on. We need all of it. Why? Because Satan doesn't fight fair, right? He, he is a schemer, he is a liar, he is a deceptor. He doesn't fight fair. Um, chapter 4, verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there there by waves and carried away by every kind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. I, that, that's what Satan uses in his arsenal. Uh, craftiness, deceitful scheming. And so we need to put on the full armor. and. And because of that, he to stand firm against the schemes of the devil, um, again, it conveys the idea of trickery. It conveys the idea of sneak attacks. You know, he, he is not going to play fair. And so, you know, we, we know that he did that in the beginning. Right? We know that all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, uh, he, he did those, he used those schemes on Eve and got her to eat, eat the forbidden fruit uh, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, verse 3 says, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. All right? Paul says uh, Christianity uh, is pure and simple, and it should be, but because of Satan and because of his scheming and his... Um, uh, his uh, uh the schemes that he does the craftiness of him you know people get confused it's not as simple anymore that's why you know there's all of these different denominations uh out uh within the communities right if if those weren't if his craftiness and deceitful scheming wasn't there we should all understand the bible alike right and there should be the one church the one church in Ephesians chapter 4 uh, but of course he, he's up to this and so uh, we notice that uh, again uh, that we must utilize the full complement of God's protection uh, again our struggle uh, or we read about here in verse 12 it's a spiritual one uh, it's a spiritual struggle it's not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the powers against the world forces of this darkness and the Consequently, uh, this battle that we are in can't be taken lightly. Um, eternity is at stake, and we, we, both, we must both know and prepare to withstand our enemies. So, um, you know, again, this is why Paul and the other Bible writers are telling us uh, constantly about Satan and, um, you know, giving these different descriptions and actions of, of him so that we can be uh, prepared Let's, let's get into verses 13 through 17 where the, the armor uh, is described for us. So Paul here continues saying, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So again, in hopes of defending ourselves against the devil and his attacks, we are instructed to take up the full armor of God uh, so that we will be able to withstand in the evil day uh, and having done all to stand and this statement, this verse, should remind us of a couple of important truths. First, uh, the protection God offers is beneficial only when, it, when it's accepted in full. Again, take up the whole thing, he says. Uh, are we to pick and choose uh, what pieces of armor we want to wear? Uh, no. And the other good thing about this is we don't have to manufacture This armor, We don't have to invent it or put it together. We just need to simply put it on, right? Put on these resources that God has already made available. And again, Paul is using this repetition, uh, this full armor of God, a reminder that we need the whole package. Every piece is necessary. And then secondly in this verse, he is reminding us that this evil day, a day of temptation will come. Uh, We would do well to remember that even... Again, Jesus faced temptation in Matthew chapter 4. Again, we'll we'll look at that in depth uh, Sunday morning. But, you know, after, uh, in Matthew's account, uh, which we'll be looking at, but in Luke's account, if you recall, Luke uh, says that uh, at the end of the tempting, it says that the devil departed from him until an opportune time. Uh, It didn't say that the devil gave up and quit, but that he was going to come back and, and try to tempt Jesus some more throughout his life. Um, and so uh, the question is not, will we be tempted, but when will we be tempted? Uh, we're, we're all going to face that, and so to prepare for the temptations that will certainly come, we must clothe ourselves, uh, defend ourselves with uh, what Paul is going to uh, give us, truth, righteousness, peace. Faith and salvation. Uh, Paul said uh, something very similar in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, speaking of the warfare that we are in. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting with verse 3, Paul said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Again, this, this war that we are in is a spiritual war. It's a spiritual war, and so we need to learn to properly handle God's word, uh, and, and that'll be you know the sword of the Spirit that we'll get to here in a second, um, But again, you know, you can just think of Paul when he's sitting there writing this in prison that he's, you know, possibly looking at one of those Roman guards and he's being reminded, uh, you know, of each of the things that he's wearing uh, that he's using to protect himself. And, you know, he's using them uh, in his writing to let us know, you know, how those things, um, you know, can help us in our Christian lives. And when we are trying to, um, uh, Protect ourselves in this spiritual war, and so uh, the first one he mentions again in verse fourteen is to gird your loins with truth, or or maybe your translation refers to it as the belt of truth. Um, of course, this was used to secure the garment uh, that that the individual is wearing. You know, they, they didn't wear jeans or pants and a t-shirt or a dress shirt or anything like that, like we do. You know, they would have worn this long sort of tunic, dress like. A piece of, uh, of clothing, and when it was time to to go to battle, they would you know take a strap and kind of you know tighten it around their waist and kind of lift up some of the the, the legging of that so that they could you know run and they could prepare for battle. So that that's what uh, Paul is reminded of this belt of truth. You know, I don't know if you noticed on the Lego man out there, but he he's wearing a a, a belt out there. Uh, he he's you know he's He's girded his loins, as uh, Paul says here. Um, uh, if, you know, if you can have a chance to drive past it this evening, you, you see that he's wearing uh, a belt of truth. And so, um, of course, the truth, um, you know, as we know in Scripture, is in reference to the Word of God. Right? Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. Right. So that's this. That's the first thing that Paul says that we must have. Uh, that we need to have to defend ourselves in the spiritual warfare is truth right? a truth that's absolute, that 's absolute that never changes, and we need to um, and he, he likens it to to a belt. Uh, the next thing he notices in the same verse is the breast pra- breastplate of righteousness, of course, the breastplate 's going to protect you know the chest of the shoulder or of the soldier, you know those vital organs, those important organs that You don't want an arrow piercing or a sword piercing, Um, and of course, you know righteousness is uh, living right. You know that simply just means living right, and uh, the Christian is to uh, live right. And so we we've seen, uh, you know, truth and righteousness, and then as we get into verse fifteen, he says, "Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace," and you know footwear is important. Again. You know, we're, we're talking about a time period when, you know, they couldn't just go to the store and get any type of shoe or boot that they, they needed. But you know, they would have had sort of a, a sandal, uh, you know, type of, with um, leather uh, thongs on it uh, around it around to, you know wrap around the foot, and, and possibly they would have uh, would have had you know maybe even spikes, you know, what, what we'd think of as cleats uh, at the bottom of it when they went to war, because uh, that's going to uh, make them firm. Right? they 're going to be able to stand they 're going to be able to stay steady they 're going to have stability in battle, and Paul is liking this to the gospel of peace right? the gospel um, we need to stand firm in the gospel and um, and of course, the gospel brings peace and then in verse sixteen, uh, we need to have the shield of faith right this the shield. Uh, that, he, that he mentions that's going to uh, deflect those fiery darts that come at us, uh, that, that Satan is launching towards us. And, of course, you know, faith is so important, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please him, uh, the Bible says. And so, um, you know, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Right? And, and so that's this shield that Paul is uh, using, again, as a metaphor to to, uh, defend uh, the faith. And then he says uh, in verse 17 that we need to put on the helmet of salvation and we need to take up the sword of the Spirit. Again, the final pieces of the Christian armor. And, of course, it's obvious the importance of having a helmet and having a sword. Um, One's going to protect his head, and the other is going to allow him to both... uh, defend himself and to go on the offense. You know, when we think of, uh, you know, all of these pieces of warfare, um, you know, the, the first five uh, that is given to us, you know, they're, they're defensive in nature, right? They're used to protect or to um, gear him to be ready for battle. But then we finally get to the sword of the spirit, which we're told is the word of God. And this is, his offensive weapon. Uh, of course, he can use it for defense, but but it's also the only offensive weapon uh, that the Christian has, and it's the only offensive weapon that the Christian needs, right? Uh, the scriptures, uh, the Bible, and so uh, if Satan, um, if he can get into our heads, you know, he's going to win the battle. So that's why we need to put on the helmet of salvation. You know, we need to keep our minds uh, in check, keep them uh, protected. Uh, from his, again, from his scheming. And then we need to wield the sword of the spirit. And again, uh, you know, they're all used defensively, but uh, the word of the the scriptures are that only offensive um, piece that we are given. Uh, Are you you familiar with uh, the Greek legend Achilles? I don't know if you're familiar with his story, but he was one of the most illustrious of all the warriors during, during the Trojan War. And according to this story that when Achilles uh, was a child, his mother took him by one foot and he dipped, or she dipped him into the river Styx. And it was said that there was something about this that um, when he uh, came up, that he was invulnerable everywhere on his body, you know, except for you know where she was holding him, because that part didn't get dipped into the water. And of course, during that war he happened to get shot by a poison arrow right into that heel. You know, that's, that's where you know, the term Achilles heel comes from. Uh, but he should have been invulnerable to the attacks of the enemy, but he was just left defenseless in that one spot. Right? And as Christians, again, we need to put on the full armor of God so that you know, when Satan is slinging those arrows at us, that they're not going to be able to hit one of those vulnerable spots, because we're going to have the helmet on and the breastplate and the belt, and we're going to have our feet shod and we're going to have our shield and we're going to have the sword. And so as um, you know we again, we need to put on the full uh, armor of God. I know we're quickly running out of time, but let's at least look at verse 18. It says, "With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit." And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray, for, pray on my behalf that utterances may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So, you know, we, we've seen, uh, you know, the, these uh, pieces of armor one after another, but let's not forget... Uh, one of the most important tools we have available to us, which is prayer. Uh, he tells us through prayer we access the, the Lord of glory, the one who remains in control. Uh, we, we must remember that the, the fervent effect of prayer of a righteous man avails much. Right? James chapter 5 or 16. Uh, we're all in this battle together. And notice Paul says, uh, pray for me, but also pray for Pray for all of us as we are in this battle. You know, don't let up. Don't leave any man behind. And again, he didn't want them just to pray for him, but he had specifics in mind. Uh, pray for, uh, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. You know, notice, just as we end this, that he didn't ask to pray for, the, for him to get out of prison. Right? But what did he pray for? He prayed that he would speak boldly. Right? Speak freely and confident. Uh, and again, uh, Paul is such a great example uh, in his prayer life for us to uh, mimic. So uh, we ran out of time. Uh, we didn't get the last few verses, but hopefully you can read those on your own if you'd like. And again, thank you for uh, this, this class and going through Ephesians. And it's been, it's been good for me, and hopefully it's been good for you. So again, thank you for your attendance.